Welcome to the Post Sunday Podcast, presented by Genesis Church. A place to go further, discover more, and to learn things you possibly never have. It's not just enough to know of God. We want you to know Him. Coming to you from sunny Orlando, Florida, it's time to rethink life the way God intended. This is the Genesis Post Sunday Podcast. What is going on, Post Sunday Podcasters? This is your host, Pastor Johnny Sierra. I hope you guys are doing well. I am with the one and only, my co-host, Pastor Tim Grantstaff. What is up, brother? Happy Father's Day, post-Father's Day. Let's go. But it was a weekend and a day just for us. This is why I tell people, Valentine's Day, not for you. No. Never for you. No matter what, <laughs> Valentine's Day is not for you. I try to teach my son this. It stinks, man. I got to be honest with you. Christmas, not for you. It's for the for the family and the yeah. kids. Easter, definitely not about you. No. About <laughs> um, Jesus. <laughs> so therefore, <laughs> yeah. we get Father's Day. And to one-up you, my daughter has a birthday be- the day before mine. So my day is overlooked. And so literally, Father's Day is the highlight of my year. There you go. That's it. Like That's all right. It's what I live for. But she but <laughs> but you're you're a good dad. You're a good dad. Hey, she's awesome because she wants to share it with me. This man is a good dad. Thank you, bro. Thank yeah, you. You did a good you. job with your family. I appreciate it, man. Um she's a good daughter. She shares it with me. She actually wants to like share it with me. So I really shout out to my beautiful Sage. I love you. My birthday is on January 1st. So <laughs> I still kind of got that same thing because people on Christmas and Christmas vacation, they're Can like, you I just spent all my that? money. Yeah, so I'm dude. not spending my money on everyone. Kid. So I got shafted dude. all the time. <laughs> everyone is tired on your birthday, bro. <laughs> they're tired or they're drunk and passed out and they don't even remember it's my birthday. This is how it is. <laughs> For New Year's, man, baby. that is robbery yeah. at its best, dude. They don't remember it, yeah, <laughs> or they didn't. The care moment about it you came broke. to this, you know, the moment of you, you were just brought to this world was the probably the highlight because your mom was like, "Yes, the no. start of my year." My Amazing. mom, my mom was mad every year. <laughs> I, I hear the story. We were the first, first ones in the hospital. So every year, I guess in the hospital, the first baby born on New Year's gets like a oh, year supply yeah. of everything diapers formula whatever like you you're the new year's baby yeah. in the city so we were the first ones in and the last ones out so she saw all these moms come and go and she she lost like the the awards the prizes what? and all that stuff so she reminds me of it every year that i should have known if you were stubborn enough to to do that to me the rest of my life was gonna f- follow suit <laughs> so you're born on the first yeah i went but- in on the 31st i guess or my mom did did you get, and were you featured like on the newspaper no, or anything because like I was the last baby. Oh. I'm telling you, like, this is the story. This is why Father's Day matters. It's only about us. Oh, man. Only about us. Wow. That's, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, we're but, both, we've both been robbed, so. Wait, we're like at two different stages because your kids, like, I don't know, maybe they, they, they still create things for you. You know, I yeah. got a 10 year old that creates, but then I got the older two Drawings that want to play the, the, the card of like, I'm broke <laughs> and I don't have money to buy you a gift dad. Cause they're old enough to have to do it themselves. And mom isn't giving them money to go shop for Let me. Let me take you out to eat, but you're paying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where do you want to go today, dad? Hey, I forgot my debit card at home. Happy father's I day. I got you though. Like yeah. I want to take care of you But I love you. You're the someday. best dad in the whole world. Man, is that what I got to look forward to? <laughs> it, yes, it, it comes in. That it stinks. comes like that. Yeah. So yeah. one day. Yeah, one day. one day it will it will come to pass. Yeah. Um, cool, man. Well, I'm excited. Uh, welcome, you guys. Welcome to the Post Sunday Podcast. Uh, we're really excited to have you guys with us. And so, uh, if you're tuning in, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, if you're tuning in via audio, then you're listening through Spotify and iTunes. I encourage you guys just to hit subscribe. Uh, that way, when our podcasts come out, you it's right at the forefront there, uh, notifying you to go ahead and listen. If you prefer to watch us on YouTube, click the subscribe and like button as well as the notification bell. And what that's going to do is just notify you every time we got a, 
a session up and running for you guys. So whichever way you prefer, we have that available for you. Make sure you mark it, bookmark it for yourselves. Um, and we're on social media across multiple different platforms. You talk, we're talking Twitter. Um, we're talking um, Instagram, Post Sunday Podcast, and then TikTok as well postsunday.podcast. So make sure just to keep in the loop, stay intact with us as we put content out there, which by the way, we got something out there for you guys here this week, which is something new that we're introducing here to the podcast, but we've had some requests on it. And it's basically the submit your questions uh, kind of segment for this show now. Um, yeah, we're adding some new stuff. I like we're, it. We're trucking along. Yep. And so... Hopefully this will get our listeners and our watchers, you know, uh, engaged into the fact that as you're learning with us and you have questions, yeah, no matter what episode, doesn't have to be pertinent exactly. to this one, submit them and as we can filter through them and, and, and bring them in, let's do it. Yeah. And so because of that, we have, uh, we actually got, we got hit up. So uh, we want to shout out our producer today, Alexis. What's going on, Alexis? What's up, everybody? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> producer Alexis is back in the yeah, house. Yeah. Uh, she's uh, working very hard behind the scenes, so we're thankful for her and what she does. Um, but we do have a shout out or actually a question on the DMs in our Instagram. Yeah. Uh, can you hit us up with that, Alexis? Yeah. So it was from one of our listeners and she said, hi, pastors. I was wondering if you could share some good resources that you use to dive deeper into the Bible. For instance, how can we better understand certain passages in context? How can we better understand the culture of the time how can we more easily find symmetry in the Bible, etc.? Mm. I have an ESV study Bible, and I know that you recommend Tony Evans study Bible. What are some other good resources? She also said, for example, I'm reading Exodus 29, starting in verse 19. They put ram's blood on their ears, thumbs of right hand, and great toes of right foot. Then they took the blood and threw it on the altar. It just sounds so strange. <laughs> yes. That's great. Yeah, for sure. Because they're curious. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's what we want, right? Curiosity. Yeah. Into God's word. Yeah. Thank you for, for letting us know that. We, and yeah. so we want to we spend some time in, in answering that for yeah, you. Yeah, so, you know, first of all, let's, let's, let's just give a glimpse of the symmetry. Yeah. Right? Exodus. We, we, I don't think we'll ever understand the sacrificial system the way it happens in the Bible simply because of the day and time that we live in. We don't even watch our own food being sacrificed any longer. Yeah. You go to the store and it's already prepackaged. That's true. But it is being slaughtered and sacrificed somewhere, right? And so because it's out of sight, out of mind, we can't even fathom what it's like for our own food or for whatever, let alone what a sacrificial system and offering was like scripturally the best you can get is when you know i've been to a different country like africa in a village where you know you see some of the stuff actually still taking place um we don't have time to completely unpack it but i would just say if you're talking about symmetry that whole sacrificing of the, of the ram pay attention to the fact that it says on the ears on the hands on the feet that's where the blood was right where else do we find that? Where's the symmetry? Where's the beauty of that, right? That's Jesus on the cross, the crown of thorns on the head, the the, the nails in the hands, and the nails in the feet. And so there, there, there's a beautiful picture there uh, to remind us of Jesus, of Jesus being that ultimate sacrifice. Um, I would say for those that want to go further, it has to be a desire. It, it, you know, a lot of people go, well, how can I learn this stuff? I, I want to know more. But they don't really actually want to search. And it is a lot of uh, what Jesus would say in the parables, you know, are you willing to search for the pearl, the, you know, are you w willing to search for the lost coin? Like you got to seek this treasure out and understand, like the more I keep going, the more I'm going to grow hungry with it. So I would, I would give two resources up front. Um, and I would, I would first start with um, for great application the Tony Evans study Bible, as, as she said, that that's just one that I recommend to everyone. Um, there, there are others, but I think that he does a phenomenal job just bringing to light some of the passages in a, in a simpler way for those who are taking that first step. Um, there is, 
Our staff is going through a book right now, sitting at the feet of Rabbi Jesus. Um, I'll say that again, sitting at the feet of Rabbi Jesus. And I would say that that's a great launching point uh, to walk through the stories of the Bible, certain ones where they bring to light things that I don't think um, people have discovered yet. And I think that that, if you do that, that that's what starts that hunger inside. The other resource that I would give is a website that I've been using most of my life as a pastor, and that is followtherabbi.com. And that is from my favorite teacher, Ray Vanderlein. Um, there's, uh, there's resources, there's articles, there's DVD series that you can buy there. Um, I wish that it was digital, but for some reason they haven't done digital series, but it's, it's, it is on DVD still. And uh, most of those DVDs, he is on location in Israel, in Egypt. So he's not just talking about the passage. He's standing in what could have been, and they bring visuals to it and things like that. But there's also just articles and resources on there as well. So those are two, I would say, resources to start with that I would highly recommend to anyone wanting to take that next step. Start with the book, Sitting at the Feet of Rabbi Jesus, um, which is Louis, Louis Tobberg. Um, and so uh, as the author, she does a phenomenal job with it, the content. Um, she has a website as well, so there's a connection there. But uh, And then followtherabbi.com is another great one. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And, I mean, even now, I mean, I, I recently spoke to you, but the Jewish Study Bible is also yep. another one that, yeah. you know, you've yeah. been Yeah, I just recommended that to you. And so, you, you know, there, there are some of the things things that I studied that I know that like, hey, this is going to bring the Jewish perspective that yeah. I want. Yeah. However, there are certain resources where uh, the, it would differentiate in the fact that they're a Messianic Jewish community versus an Orthodox Jewish community, meaning the Orthodox Jewish community doesn't believe the Messiah has come. You know, the Messianic Jewish community does, and they're proclaiming that. Um, and so even in that, I will still use some of the stuff because they bring to light so much about the Old Testament that that I would never see being a Western thinking yeah, American yeah. Um, that that the Bible's coming from an Eastern land so long ago. Yeah, that's true. That's awesome. Thank you so much, producer Alexis. Appreciate you. Uh, but this is what we want to do here, here moving forward. Uh, you know, what, if the questions come in, we love to uh, just really bring the best um, kind of feedback answers that we can. To really help you guys, um, we hope that was that was helpful for you. I know maybe there's some other people as well listening that 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 was a question for them. So, thank you again to our users and those that are following us. Appreciate that. But uh, we want to get right to things. Episode number twenty five. It's crazy that we're uh, we're about halfway in this, and uh, gosh, it just feels like. It's a mixed feeling. I feel like we've been doing this for a while, but yet it's not not long at all. So it's it's kind of I'm I'm stuck in between those two feelings. Like, and it's no coincidence that as we get to the halfway point, we get to the story and character we're talking about. That's, so we yeah. have mapped this Insane. out for a reason. Yeah, to kind of show you the focal point of certain stories. And as we're walking through the scope of the story of God with our listeners and our watchers that are wanting to know more about the Bible. This, this is that moment. Like, why, why is this character a pinnacle story halfway through the Bible I need to be paying attention to? Yeah, no, that's, that's super good. Thank you to Pastor PJ last week for joining us. We had such a fun time unpacking his message, uh, talking about King uh, Saul. And uh, we're, we're going to be doing a little bit of that uh, as well on the front end of this podcast and so let's kind of get started. Episode 25, we're diving into 1 Samuel 16, and uh, we're going to be talking about the one and only King David. And so a lot of people know King David, uh, very well-known, very well-read uh, individual. A lot of people know some of the highlights of his life, but um, we want to bring in some characteristics of him in comparison to Saul um, as to why things kind of turned out the way they did. Yeah, I think, you know, especially for Father's Day at Genesis, yeah. it's it's reality of we're looking at this character. We know, as you said, certain proponents of his story. Every, 
not everyone, but if you if you know anything about the Bible, then you probably know the story of David and Goliath, or you know David and Bathsheba, you know, and so, and we'll talk about that next week at, at church, and we'll talk about that next week on the episode as well on the podcast, but this is really, really kind of a dive into the fact that as we talked about last week, Israel has asked for a king, which is really a, a smack in the face to God. Mm. Um, at the same time, God told them that kings would come from them. The problem with Israel is that they're asking for a king before God has decided to give them a king. Wow. So therein lies our own, our own, uh, I think, uh, ignorance in our spirituality that we are constantly sometimes asking for something that God has in store for us, but maybe it's not the right time. And so this is a story of Saul. This is what the people asked for, so this is what they got. Now we get David, and he's a man appointed by God. And we, we want to look at these characteristics because that's the key. Like, what was it that made David the person God wanted to choose? So I would say, as we, we, we've done on Sunday, this is a strong message, obviously, for men. And if it's Father's Day, we're talking about a king, um, I don't care what stage of life you are as a man, but this, just as we did Rahab on Mother's Day, is not a message just for men because it's also for women because the characteristics can can be in both and it can be something that's taught to your children, mm. especially to your sons um, as they're growing up. And so it's something that we have to bring into our life and we have to to take in the whole story because what we do as men, what we do as fathers matter. You know, you love being a dad. I love being dad, a dad. It's one of my greatest joys. And what I've come to realize is I will never be a great dad unless I surrender, surrender to God's great story. Mm -hmm. So by doing so, I have to look into the story of God and say, what characteristics are you looking for, God? What is it that you desire? And then I have to look at my life. And so when you take Saul, what you begin to find out in the story of Saul is not just this man, as we joked around last week, he's only chosen by his outward appearance, right? He's, he's handsome. He's tall. He's head and shoulders above everyone else. Um, he also is full of insecurities. He's, he thinks he's from the smallest tribe. So he's not capable and worthy of any of this. And that's different than humility. Let's be clear. It's it's full insecurities. It's not just humility. Oh God, I'm not worthy versus I'm incapable. But along the way, this man begins to show us that he is not going to be obedient to God's way. He is going to do it his way. Wow. And so there's a story within this before we get to David where remember the Amalekites, you know, they're the first ones to attack the Israelites coming out of Egypt. And they're not supposed to exist any longer either. And so God comes along to Saul and says, hey, they are not supposed to be here. They are not supposed to exist. They're going to come up against you. I want you to wipe them all out. I want you to obliterate everything. Houses, their, their, their crops, their animal, their livestock, everything. And Saul doesn't do that. He, he wipes out the army. He keeps the king. He keeps the best of their livestock. He keeps the best of their servants. And so he directly disobeys God. Mm. And therefore, now there's going to be a consequence. And he doesn't learn from that one. Later, he's going into battle. And now he's supposed to be waiting on Samuel, who is the one who is prophetically, you know, as a judge, coming to him to be king. He's supposed to wait on him to come make a sacrifice before God. And he decides to take that duty upon himself, which is not his. And so therefore, in 1 Samuel 13, wow. Samuel tells him, you've done this foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. So the big piece of this story at the forefront deals with Saul and realizing this is not the man, this is not the father, this is not the person, this is not the follower of Christ. You want to be one that does not keep the commandments of God. This has been the story for the last, what, few months of people not in the Bible, but people today not wanting to keep God's commands. Yeah, and I, 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 
Yeah, I mean that's again one of the one of the downfalls of Saul. But I, I, I actually I think a little little bit back if we if we rewind a little bit, but just kind of the 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 difference between uh, um, the God appointing uh, each one, Saul and David, like how that went about, right? You, we know Saul was appointed uh, just basically out of desperation. People want. You know that they want it, they're demanding it, and so they're going with anything that looks good, right? To the to, to to the physical eye. And here's David, man, and just the approach that God took for him was such a different approach, right? He 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 asked um, Saul or Samuel to go to the house of Jesse, and Jesse is presenting him, which Jesse is David's father. He's presenting him son after son after son after son. And each one, the Bible says, oh, it looked, he looked handsome. The other one was skillful with this. And the other one was just all these physical attributes that their dad, Jesse, thought, okay, because you, you chose Saul, uh, then I guess these, this is, I got your guy. Like, here is a buffet of, of sons that I have for you to choose from. Pick whichever one you would like. And here, here Samuel is sensing, or God is telling Samuel, I am not looking for that. I am looking for a man that is after my own heart. He is not even here. He's out shepherding. And so, like, I love that because here's God choosing David, right? Like, I'm handpicking you in the middle of your duties, in the middle of what you may think is insignificant. You're doing it with excellence, and I'm here to choose you. And uh, and I love that. I, I love that depiction of how God, God went about that. but That's the that's, beauty of the phrase, a yeah. man after God's heart. So we know this phrase. We've heard this about David, but it also is a direct, what's the word? I don't want to say attack, but I think that it is a direct statement against Saul, mm. right? Because this, 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 this passage is not being spoken to David. No, David is not being told, hey, you're a man after God's own heart. Let's keep that in perspective because yeah. I think that's what we have come to think about this passage. God calls David and David is told, you're a man after my own heart. No, this is when Samuel's telling Saul, you're no longer going to be king. You haven't obeyed God. Therefore, your heart hasn't belonged to God the way that it should. Wow. There's another. So Saul doesn't know who this is. He's just being told there's another man after God's own heart. Yeah. So it's a really a direct statement against Saul. And I think that's the first step in the story is to ask ourselves, do we truly keep the commandments of God? He didn't. All the way through, take out everyone, all the Amalekites, leave nothing behind. And he decided to keep some of it for his own gain. Yeah. And then it was Samuel's not here fast enough. So I'm going to take it into my own hands and I'm going to make the sacrifice because he hasn't showed up yet. These are things we do in everyday life, right? We take things for our own gain because of pleasure or pride or, or, or whatever it is, power. And then if it doesn't happen fast enough, if God doesn't answer the prayer, if God doesn't show up, if God doesn't work, if God isn't here when I need him to be here, then I'm taking over the story. I'm going to be in control of it. Yeah. And we see this in Saul and this now he's being told, you don't have a heart after God. Someone else does. Yeah. David hasn't shown up on the scene yet. That's crazy. When this statement is being made. Yeah. That's key to understand the context of this. And for someone that's listening, man, I think um, David wasn't looking for this. He just loved God. And I love that he's, he's a man after God's heart with or without a title. With or without a position, with or without a promotion coming up, with no promises attached to his life whatsoever. Like, I just love God because I love God. As a shepherd, as the youngest son, I just love God. And because of that, it's like, I just think in, in the culture we're in now, man, everyone's just trying to rise above the next. And, and they do things with that attachment in their mind rather than just... I want to love you, God. I want to love you. I or I I I want to just be fully devoted into this for what it is, and and whatever may come out of it comes out of it. And I just love that. And, and God sees that type of heart. I think that speaks louder than anything else. And so and so, excuse me. I think I just love that because it it shows you that whatever condition you're in, no matter where it is, God sees you, and 
and he is going to promote you in his due time. But just love him, love him, love him with nothing, no strings attached. I love that, man. It's devotion. Yeah. He's, he's looking for full devotion. Yeah. And we can use the word surrender, which I think is a, a key word to use here. Yeah. At the same time, we're not, we're not willing to surrender like we should often. Yeah. And yet when we do, God gets our full devotion. And that's what he's seeking in us is to say, hey, are you devoted to following me? Yeah. That, that word does not mean perfection. They're two different words. We have, to, we have to break the shackles of the thinking that because we'll never be perfect in this, we can't be devoted to this. Yeah. And we'll see that in the story of David fully over, you know, not just th- this week, but next week, in the next week as we look at him for two weeks. But, but for our listeners and those that are watching, perfection doesn't mean stop being devoted right? Because we're never going to be perfect. If anything, that's what gets exposed in this great king. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But as you referenced, think about how the story for David plays out. He's out in the fields. He's, he's the young boy. Go take care of the dirty sheep. While the biggest, oldest brothers are brought in and Samuel's like, surely this is the one. Because why? The first king saw it was the one that was brought in was handsome, tall, yeah. above the all. So you're looking for this outward image of what you think a king should be. It's why Israel doesn't believe that Jesus is the Messiah because they had their own perception of a king, of what it should be and should look like. So there's a there's a snapshot there within this. But the beauty of the story, as you said, is here's some symmetry. Once again, it's the youngest brother. Go back in the in the stories already. Cain and Abel. Whose who's, who's offering is acceptable to God, the younger brother? Yeah. Uh, Jacob and Esau. Aaron and Moses, who does God choose? Like over and over again. So this is not, this is, I think, to show that God picks who he chooses in the story. Yeah. And it doesn't matter your position in family or whatever. God is picking the one that he needs to continue his story. And that's what we find with this young boy. And you can imagine if you're Samuel and David walks in and God's like, that's the one. Mm-hmm. Wait a second. Like, this is the one? And then God tells him, God does not see as man sees. Yeah. You look at the outward expression, the outward image. I look at the heart. And I've been looking at the heart of this young kid. And this is the one that's fully devoted to me. Think about the power in that right now. Wow. For some of us that feel like you said, God doesn't see me. Oh, yes, he does. And sometimes, the let's let's put it in quotations, the spiritual giants that we're used to seeing on social media, we're used to seeing on TV, I don't think are the spiritual giants we think that they are because it's probably the 85-year-old grandma, great-grandmother, mm. that just sits in her house all day with God's word, praying nonstop, and God's like, she's fully devoted to me. That's a spiritual giant. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. Now let's let's dive a little deeper into that into that um, to what we're talking about. So, First Samuel sixteen one through three, the Lord said to Samuel, "How long will you grieve over Saul?" So we see that Samuel is is a bit uh, distraught about just Saul's actions and everything. I mean, there's 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 an attachment to Samuel and Saul. You know, um, Saul Samuel has this connection with him. Uh, continuing, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel, that's a question. Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king amongst his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you, heifer, heifer, heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him who I declare to you. And uh, let's just keep going, right? First yep. Samuel 16, 6 and 7. When they came, he looked on uh, El- Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. So this is a son that Samuel's looking at. It's one of the sons of Jesse. So uh, again, right off the bat, image, 
you know, uh, that's what they're taking into into consideration at in the first off. But that, but then he goes to, but the Lord said to Samuel, "Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not." As a man sees, man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Um, that's 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 yeah, powerful. I mean, man. So that that's the summary of the of the the beginning mm-hmm. steps of what's about to take place for David to be anointed the king of Israel, which becomes the greatest, mightiest king of all of Israel, and and so uh, there there's so much packed into that, but yeah. I think there's so much packed into our own understanding of life of how we look at people and we judge the outward and knowing that God sees the inward. Now that can take us back to the fact of, well, then don't judge, right? That's not what, that's not the same. That's not the same as don't judge me because of the sin I'm doing. Let's clarify that, right? You can't judge me. God sees what's on the inside. You're only seeing what's on the outside. No, if I'm seeing sin, (laughs) Yeah, that's that on the outside. Yeah, that's because the heart inside. is wrong on the inside. Yeah. So we can we can address that and we can hold that accountable, iron sharpen iron, and yep. we can we can bring that to you as a brother and sister in Christ. This is talking about the fact that we quickly judge the appearance that we see. Right, we see someone they're dressed whatever, and and the way that they're dressed or what they do, you know, and and we don't know what's really going on inside of their heart. Yeah, right. God does. And so in this moment, we have to think about how many times we scroll on social media and we see a picture or an image and we immediately come filter effect. to our own conclusions, yeah. not knowing what's going on behind the scenes or how many people that we've seen walk into a church gathering. And, and so we, we were having this story at student camp with Brian, who is the pastor of the church that sent us here to start Genesis church. And He's in Atlanta, and I remember this day. I remember it vividly where we were in our youth group, and all of a sudden we pull up to Sunday night student group, and there's a bunch of goth kids. This is this is the era when goth first like mm. came about, right? And they're all sitting outside in black trench coats. Their skin is like powdered up. They're as, they're as pale as can be. They're smoking cigarettes the whole nine yards on church property. And so you're coming into the youth group, and you're like, who are those kids out there? You know, it, it, it looks like twilight showed up at church. Okay. <laughs> and so all of a sudden the service is about to begin and Brian comes into the youth room with all of them in tow and sits them down. And you can see everybody in the room, like, what are they doing here? What's going on? You know, adults, the elders and, and, and deacons come up from the church. Like, Hey, these kids we heard were smoking on property. They can't be here. And Brian was like, if they can't be here, where are they supposed to be? Wow. Right? And that began an understanding for us that you immediately see someone and you make judgment calls right out the gate. Yeah. And they can they can be for all different reasons. It, it just, just in our own, uh, I would say, uh, struggles with racism, with, with whatever. We look at people, we immediately assume certain things. And this is kind of in, in that line of... Uh, Samuel's even looking at the older brothers going, oh, it's got to be that one. And God's like, nope, I know what's in their hearts. And not that their hearts are completely evil, but I know what's in this young boy's heart. And I think we get a glimpse into it, right? Why didn't he choose the other brothers? Well, when we get into the story of David and Goliath later, they've been on the hillside for days and weeks, and they're not willing to fight the battle, but David shows up. So we get the backside then of maybe what God is saying on the forefront here. Like, yeah, I, I know them and I'm not saying they're awful, but I know this young boy, his courage, his ferocity, whatever. It's at a different level. He's going to stand for me. Yeah. He's going to stand for me when it, when it truly matters and when the pressure's on. Um, first Samuel 16, 18 characteristics of God chosen. So you, you went ahead and started to really, break down some of David's characteristics and some of the things that we we believe that God, you know, really looked at and was like uh, these are areas that are that are that that that's why he is depicted as a man after God's own heart and one of the things is skillful in playing. He had that gift and talent. He was that many know David to be that worshipper 
um, someone that was passionate about praise. We see that in the way he wrote the Psalms um, and just the, some of the, the songs itself within the Psalms and how uh, just poetic he was, um, how he vulnerable he was, open-hearted he was. There was a man not only uh, uh, of tough valor, but sensitive enough to um, to not be afraid to open up, talk about his feelings, talk about the struggles in his life. And so I, that's that's one thing that really stood out for, for, yeah, when we're for talking me with about David. Yeah. Man after God's own heart. Mm. Okay, what is that? Yeah. What does that what mean? That how like? can I... How can I try to yeah. pursue that, right? It's not just achieve, but pursue. I want to pursue the things that God would look at me and say, hey, that's a man after my own heart. And so we have to look throughout the story and life of David at certain moments. And down in verse 18, we, we've kind of jumped, which is great because this is where we want to sit for a little bit. But David has been anointed. Yeah. And now Saul is being tormented, like mentally, truly mentally tormented because mm-hmm the consequences of his sin are coming upon him. Your kingdom's being taken from you. One is going to come and rule over you. You're going to lose your crown. And so because of this, the only thing that settles him is music. And so he tells them, look for one that, that can do this. And so he gets a report from one of his men and his men says, I found someone. And then he begins to say, these are the qualities and characteristics of this person I found. And it's David. Wow. So he begins to list out the characteristics of this kid that that if ironically he's going to come into the to the kingdom into the 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 castle and he's going to bring peace peace of mind to Saul whom he eventually is going to rule over and yet he names out these things and the first thing he tells Saul is hey let me tell you about this kid David. He's skillful mm. in playing. So it's not just the idea that, oh, oh he, he has a craft. It's that his craft and talent is being used by God. And we talk about this often, right? And so that's where we see it played out when we read the book of Psalms and all the different Psalms in it, that he's using this skill that God gave him for, for God's glory. And so, um, you know, I said yesterday, and, and, and I said as we were preaching, your talent is God's gift to you. How you use it is your gift to God, wow. right? Wow. So your talent is God's gift to you. He gave you that skill. He gave you that talent. But your gift back to God is how you use that talent yeah. and that skill. And this is, this is a seat you sit in all the time. Yeah. You are, our technical term is creative arts pastor, but most people would see you as the worship pastor of Genesis. As a man doing that, leading men who often struggle to worship, you know what this kind of feels like. Yeah, no, I actually, it's funny you mentioned that we literally talked about it yesterday. Uh, I literally told the team, I said, uh, we knew David as a skillful player, but to be a skillful player requires that you do, you do it with excellence, right? That you're fully all in. And uh, here Saul has all the resources available to him to get any musician he wants. You're talking, you know, you could pan pick anybody. And here David stands out amongst everyone else. Like it just goes to show you the excellence that he had in what he did, uh, in shepherding, in skillfully playing. Like there was a devotion behind it. And that's the beauty of, I told the team, what we get to do is that there is, there's a skillfulness, but there's also an, uh, an, an awareness in God that what I'm doing is for him and that I am putting myself at the best position I can so that I can fully be devoted onto God as I'm, as I'm playing. And that's the difference between a worshiper and just a secular musician. There, uh, we know who, whom we're playing to, right? And because of that, we know uh, there's, there's, there's a differentness in the approach that we take. There, there, there should be uh, an extension of excellence. There should be something that stands out above and beyond as opposed to someone that just is doing it for the recognition, for the crowd, 
And so I believe with David, that is the thing. That's what stood out, I believe, him head over heels above some of many other people that were skillful at that time that knew how to play. Yeah, There was a power behind what he did. And it, it just wasn't countless hours of playing. It was countless hours of playing in the presence of God before him that brought something powerful and life-changing that ultimately would help Saul um, in what he was facing. So that's the key. Yeah. He used his skill and talent in the presence of God mm. before the presence of Saul. That's a, that's good. Right? So it was happening under a tree on a hillside with sheep around him. As we know, wow. he's just singing and worshiping God as a shepherd boy. Mm. He didn't have his stage. He didn't have his crowd. Yeah. He didn't have, you know, a room full of people. And we've seen this in, in the worship culture, right, of are we here to worship God? faithfully devoted to him or has my stage become my American idol platform? Mm. Right. And while it's glory for God, it's really the crowd responding with me. And that's a, that's a tough thing, right? It's a real thing for many worship leaders that struggle with God's glory versus my fame, you know, in all of this type of a deal. However, Charles Spurgeon says songs are the outward expression of an inward thankfulness. I love that. You're singing. So here's David. It's an outward expression of an inward thankfulness. Here's King David, a man who wants to sing songs to God. I say all the time, it's so great to have you up there because here's Johnny, a, a dude who wants to lead our our church in songs to God. The, the struggle is getting men to want to sing songs to mm, God. And yet we love music. I'm at, I'm at Transformers the other night with my son, the new Transformers and some of his friends. And the movie takes place back, like it, time shifts back to like 1994. So the rest of the movie, the soundtrack are all early 90s songs mm. that we all know. Every time they come on, heads are bopping in, in the audience. <laughs> my foot's tapping, you yeah. know, and because you remember them. Songs are powerful, right? Yeah. And I remember singing them. I remember dancing to them, whatever. And then we come into the church and we act like we don't like music. <laughs> That's true. Or we play this game of, I don't know these songs. Yeah. Well, then learn them. It, be fully devoted. You make a playlist of the songs of your church, whatever church that is, of our church, if you go to our church, and play them while you're driving around town. Yeah. Learn to sing songs of thankfulness to God so that you can come in with the people of God and do the same thing. Yeah, that's good. Um, not to take too long in this, but I, I remember growing up, I started really singing at the age of 15. And, but I always found myself doing it at home alone by myself, just worshiping God. Um, and now fast forward, uh, many years later, three years ago, um, we're getting ready to, I'm, you know, I'm with you guys and kind of the beginning stages and you guys are just kind of getting to know me. And so you're like, Hey, take, you know, lead us in worship. We want to kind of American idol Sunday and and, uh, you know, and it, that began the pandemic and everything was closed down, but it, it reminded me of God. God, I remember him telling me, I'm taking you back to how it all began. And it was just, no one's there, just me and you. This is how it's been. This is how I always want it to be, you know, and this is how it works. This, and then, and that's just really what kept in my mind as we led through those months, like it was like God saying, hey, listen, like, don't forget. Like, this is what it's about, just being in my presence. I don't worry about who's there, who isn't. Make sure that I'm in the presence of you doing what you do, and everything is going to come out well. And so and that was a great that, reminder. Just for a moment, you know, just sitting here, for clarity for our, our listeners and those watching, we, we reversed it. We didn't just bring you in and have you lead worship for us. That's kind of why we joke around about the American Idol moment because yeah. that's typically how it's done, right? Let's bring this person in, find out they sing good if everyone likes them, and then we give, you give them the job. Yeah. <laughs> we went through weeks and months of interviews, spending time together, dinners, you with us as a staff, you with our elders, and, and really got to know your heart. Mm. Then we had a scheduled moment where, hey, we're going to let you visibly lead our church, which, so for clarity happened to be the very first day the entire church shut down from the pandemic. So although we were as a staff live in the church room, nobody from the church was allowed to come in. They had to watch from home. So you led worship for an, for an empty room. And 
the same thing. That I think was a moment of God saying, if this guy will worship for an empty room, then you can trust that when people are in here, he's going to stay focused on the right things. And that's a testament to your heart and and to who you are as a person. And for anybody that's listening, this is why we're talking about the characteristics of David. It's how do we pursue them and have them? We won't always keep them perfectly, but what made him a man after God's own heart? Whatever skill and talent God has given you, are you using it for his glory? Yeah. I don't care if you're a businessman, a doctor, a teacher, a singer, um, uh, an artist, uh, uh, you, you do theater, you're an athlete. It's as our students learned at Rush Camp. Are you willing to be a missionary disguised as an athlete, wow. a teacher, whatever, and realize wherever I am today, the skill God has given me to do the job I'm doing has to be done for his glory first. So good, yeah. And so let's continue on, and we see man of valor. He had courage in the face of danger. He was an able body. You not, Psalms 920, put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. He was a humbled man, but a man of valor and courage. And we saw that um, uh, just as he's getting ready to, he sees the fear of all the soldiers, but he's, he's like, hey, listen, I'm ready to take on this giant if needed, because he is defying my God. Yeah. He so, just sees men as men. Yeah. God, you are God. These are just men. Yeah. I, my pastor taught me even on Sunday, I pull in and I, I repeat the prayer. He taught me before he goes in to preach. Uh, God, these people are not a people to be feared. This crowd, no matter how big it's growing, is not a crowd to be feared, but you are a God to be revered. And that's a prayer I say going into church on Sunday because that's a prayer he does, he taught me. And that's kind of what this man of valor is, is I'm courageous. These are but men, you are God. And if you say to do this, I fear you, I don't fear them. And we need men and dads who live that way. Men of valor who fear God first, not their boss, not their company, not the, the, the money in their bank account, you know, all these other things that, 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 really frees us yeah. that, that they fear God, not man, and they stay humbled in that. Yeah. He was also a man of war. Yep. Man of war, battle ready, ready for God's command, fierce fighter. Uh, we saw that as he was getting ready to battle Goliath. He said, listen, if I have battled bears, lions, uh, I, can, I can go ahead and I will battle you. And so um, it was just powerful. It was powerful to, uh, to, to hear that. And, and again, he's just ready. He's ready to take on whatever needs to be taken on in order to continue to fight for the integrity and for, for God's kingdom. He knew that. Uh, but I love that, a, re- a man ready to step up and take that. And if you're his brothers, yep. you struggle with this. <laughs> right? That's true. Y- you didn't get picked to be king. Yeah. Your younger brother did. You're on the battlefield, and no one's no one's bold enough to fight Goliath. Your younger brother is. Mm. Right? And so that's that battle ready. He's fierce. He's a fierce fighter. He, he talks about fighting the lion and the bear to protect the sheep. He will fight Goliath. He will fight many other battles on behalf of Saul and then as king. Um, and we need men and we need dads and we need devoted followers of Jesus who are fierce fighters. We have too many passive fathers. We have too many weak fathers, weak men who just let things be instead of fight. Fight for your marriage, fight for your home, fight for your kids, fight for your faith. Like, like we need that that men of valor who use their skills for God, who, who are ready for battle. And that doesn't mean yelling and screaming at other people. That's not what this is talking about. Because mm-hmm. once again, we didn't make these up. This is coming out of Scripture. This is 1 Samuel 16, verse 18. This is what the reporter gives to Saul characteristics of David. And we have to sit back and go, do I use my skill and talent for God? Am I a man of courage? Do, am I ready for battle spiritually in my home, for my family, for my marriage? Or am I letting things in as we keep talking about? Am I dismissing things because all the nations, all the people around me are doing it? Well, if all my friends are doing it and their kids are doing it, we might as well go alone because we don't want to be left out. No, stand and fight. Yeah, Fight like a man, you know? But it tells us, he does it in a certain way. It says he's prudent in speech next, mm. right? So doesn't mean that he, he, he just knows how to talk big and have a big bark. You know, there's a lot of guys that that's what they do. They bark big, 
but they really have no fight in them. There's no fight in the dog. They, they just, it's just a facade. It's, you know, so his words, he knows matters. The words he chooses to use, the way he speaks, the way he speaks to outsiders, the way he speaks in his home, the way you speak to your spouse, the way you speak to your kids, all those things actually matter. And we know this because we know he's a lover of God's word. The Psalms tell us this. He talks about him being as sweet as honey, you know, on his lips, that that he they're they're finer than than gold and rubies. Like the word of God is the lamp unto his feet and the light unto his path. So he loves the word of God. David does in such a way that it comes out of his mouth. It's spoken everywhere he goes. Think about that right now if you're just listening or watching. Do people know I love God by the way that I speak? That's that's convicting. Yeah, that's good. I think he's one of the first ones to really use, like, the verbiage that he did, you know, or at least, you know, one of the first people just to really, the, the way that he expressed his 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 wording, his, the verbiage, um, a lot of analogies, um, you know, and just comparisons of this and that and just very poetic and um, very unique uh, at that time um, from what we've read from Genesis up to now. I don't think we've really uh, had a character that really expressed himself the way David did in the Psalms. Um, and so that's, it's, 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 it's just a testament of being in God's presence and understanding um, that you're free. There is freedom in his presence. And so he, he, he was in good presence himself, right? That was, that's another standpoint, another reputation of him. He had a great reputation like the nations or like God. He desired, um, he was a desired disciple. He was loyal to his, to his guys. Um, he had a, a group of men that he took care of that were with him, that were willing to fight with him to the death. Psalms 9.10 says, Those who know your name put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Again, a man after God's own heart. And think about that psalm he just wrote, those yeah. who know your name. Mm. So he's not just saying, hey, do you know Yahweh? Is it on your shirt? Is it on your hat? <laughs> right? Like yeah. those who know your name, he's, yeah. he's actually saying those who know you, God, and what you desire, their life is going to fall in line with that. So when we read God gives you the desires of your heart, yeah. that does not mean out of context is whatever I want, God will give me. What it means is that as you know the name of God, the desires of God's heart, your desires start to become his desires for your own life. So my desires change spiritually because of my faith walk with God. And this becomes David's reputation that, that this desired disciple is saying, when I know your name, I put my trust in it because I know who you are, God. I have a relationship with you. And here's the thing. This, this, this really crumbles all the stereotypes that we have of what a man is supposed to be, right? Because David encapsules all of it. Like, we're like, well, a man's supposed to be strong and never show emotion. And then now we live in a day and age where it's like, no, I want a man who shows all his emotions and, you know, and just is, is, a, is a lover. And, and it's like, he's all of the above, right? He sings these songs he writes to God, which some men would be like, that's not what men are supposed to sit around and do, right? Mm -hmm. but, but he expresses his heart to God through his craft, through his skill. But yet at the same time, he's courageous and a fierce fighter and ready for battle. But then he has this good reputation and he cares about the words that he speaks to people. Mm -hmm. He articulates them well. Like you said, he, it's almost poetic and he's not talking like the person next to him. So when you're at work, if you sound like the person next to you, there's a problem. Mm -hmm. And then... You know, it tells us at the end that the Lord is with him. This is the final stamp. So all these characteristics, once again, are the report to Saul about who David is. Yeah. The Lord is with him. And that's because he walks with God. And it was told us that when he was anointed by God, the spirit rushed upon him. Mm. And that word spirit in the Hebrew language is the same word for breath. Wow. So think about that for a moment. It's as if God said, listen, I have breathed on this man my anointing to be a king, 
that I have appointed because of the life and the characteristics that he has desired to, to display to everyone around him and when no one is seeing him when he's on the hillside under a tree. Wow, that's, that's awesome. His anointing on you needs to come before his elevation of you. And so the anointing came before the crown. The anointing came before the position. And the anointing came before the authority. Like everything began prior to anything even coming to pass, right? And that's, that's the beauty of it. And that's, I think that is a guideline for us. Don't attach anything to what God, you don't attach a promotion, don't attach a title, don't attach anything to your love for God. Just love him. Everything else will come to pass when you do that. Yeah, that's so. that's the shining story here. Yeah, you know, like that's that's the that's the big exclamation point. Yeah, is that the story of David reminds us that God's anointing came before all those things, and that's what we should be seeking. Yeah. You don't need to seek a title, a position, prominence, status, wealth, all these other things that that the world is tossing at you to go get. That doesn't mean don't set goals, but Guess what you should chase? The anointing of God on your life. Male or female, father, husband, wife, mom, grandparents, student. Am I chasing the anointing of God for my life? Well, how do I find that? Well, look at the characteristics of David, right? Look at the things this man was said about this man to Saul. And you begin to understand why God says, that's a man that has a desires of my heart because he has those attributes in him. This is really just self-evaluation. Yes. I can look at these six things and ask myself, do I want to pursue them? Mm. And will I allow them to, to be received in my life so that I can find God's anointing before I worry about everything else? Yeah, that's good. Second Samuel 5, 12, David knew the Lord had established him over King, King of Israel and had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people, uh, Israel. Uh, for the sake of his people, Israel. So you don't establish your position, God does. Your position is not for your fame, but for his. Yeah. And that is something that we see David understanding. Like, this is not mine, this is this is God's. He says it in verse 18. Is that in 2 Samuel 5, 18? Is that what you're saying? 2 Samuel 7, 8, 7, 18. Yeah, okay. it's just, it, uh, that, that's that. Because he says, who, we am, use, who am like, I? Like, yeah. And it's a reminder that God is telling him, I took you from these things. Yeah. You were you were a shepherd boy, but I was with you the whole way. I yeah. gave you the victory and peace. I made your name great, and I cho- I've chosen you to be the That's one to build my house, right. the temple. And it's just that reminder of David when he, in 2 Samuel 5, when he actually becomes king. There's a lot in between there. Mm-hmm. That he is reminding himself, this is for God's glory and for the sake of God's people. So it is that reminder that whatever God has given you in life is for his glory and for the sake of those around you. It's not for your fame. Mm. It is for his fame. It is not your story. It is his story. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about him. Like this is the story God is teaching us to live out faithfully with full devotion. And that, that in, entails the journey yeah. that we're to be on. And we see it in David. And this is why God says, Saul, you didn't faithfully obey me. I need the one after my own heart right now. And I choose David. That's so good. Greatness is not about you. It's about God's greater work in you. Woo! Episode 25. This is good, man. Filter and and evaluate in your life this week. Big time. Especially men. Especially dads. Just just sit back this week and take those six things. My skill and talent is it being used for God's glory. Right? Yeah. Am I am I a man of valor, courage? Am I battle ready spiritually? A lot of men want to fight, but do you want to fight spiritually? Yeah. Do I have good presence? Is my talk honoring to God? And do people know I walk with him? That's, Ask yourself those six things. When when you're asking, what do people see about me? That's awesome. That is awesome. There's a there's a oomph to your message. Uh, I've known you for three Father's Days already, and uh, each one, man, you come with like a Oof, like uh, mm, yeah. ready to really hit it hard, you know. It's just, you know, when it comes to these dads, you just they need a wake up call a little bit, man. We we, I will say this: <laughs> we're closing out here. Yeah. But I would say this to our listeners, observers, um, just a little piece of the backstory. I would say part of the reason we started Genesis Church 
was for this right here. Mm. Like as a student pastor, I got frustrated going, I only get your kid one hour a week and I need mom and dad to actually figure this out because they have the influence in the home. And so that began the fire burning of, I want to go to your parents and I want to teach them and help them understand God's way because they're missing it. And so whenever we have these moments, Father's Day, Mother's Day, that that fire burns a little bit more because like this is important for you and important for your home. And if you get this, everything changes. If you reject this, you get what you ask for. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast today as we dove into King David, uh, episode 25. Um, again, don't forget, just follow us. We are on all social uh, social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. You can find us at Post Sunday Podcast. We're on YouTube at Post Sunday Podcast and on all your streaming platforms audio-wise. So Spotify, iTunes, at Post Sunday Podcast. Share it. Pass it along. Uh, listen to it on your, your morning commute to work, on your exercise, the time of exercise, wherever it may be, just plug in, get, get yourself connected. And once again, we want to take moving forward some of your questions. And so submit those questions over to us, DM us on Instagram at post Sunday podcast, or you can also, uh, email us at post Sunday podcast at gmail.com. Send us over uh, some questions on that end as well. But we hope you guys were blessed. We hope this was a, a great time that you had with us. We always look forward to doing these with you. We'll see you guys back here next week for episode 26. Grace and peace. Thanks for listening to the Post Sunday Podcast. Presented by Genesis Church. A place to go further, discover more, and to learn things you possibly never have. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Genesis Church Orlando and at Post Sunday Podcast. Till next time, grace and peace to all of you.